Hello and welcome. This is Alexander Grace, and I'm joined here by fellow YouTuber Georgia Free. Hi, Georgia. Thanks for coming. Thanks for inviting me. All right, this is exciting. We've been chatting over email for about a month and a half, and this is my first time seeing you in person. Mm. It's a little strange to see you out it of the is computer very screen. <laughs> in front of us right now. <laughs> Let's just pretend that there is, and this yeah. is high advanced technology that's facilitating this conversation. But there's a lot that I want to talk to you about. Uh, but first, I think it would be useful for everybody to just get some background as to why did you start your YouTube channel? It was about three months ago, is that right? And like, mm -hmm. what are you trying to achieve? And what got you interested in the world of social media platforms and all oh, that? Goodness. That's a hard one to answer. Um, I think that I did it because I have no social life and I thought what am I going to do with the extra 10 hours a week that I have and so the beginning of this year I realized that I was going to be single in my late 20s and I thought and I have and I was working 70 hour weeks and I had no time to date no motivation to date no energy to do anything like that so I thought I'm just going to do something for myself um something really selfish so I started the YouTube channel and actually where it is now is not what I expected it to be that sort of just happened as it as I was doing each video which is really interesting I'm just letting it flow from there and it's been so fun I think my family think I'm a little bit too obsessed with it but for me it's been like the craziest thing. you learn so much about yourself um good things and bad things and you also meet not in person, although I'm meeting you today. Yep, sure. But you, you, you hear from some incredible people who have really crazy insights. You're like, I've never thought of that before. And yeah, so it's really been really good. What did you expect when you first started it? I wanted just I wanted to talk about ideas that I had in my head because I've been one of those nerdy people that would write. I have like like so many diaries of just like political philosophy and just like books that I've read and just like writing down all these ideas that I just want to get out and I was like maybe I could start a blog but I'm like no one reads blogs so I was like <laughs> I'll just do a YouTube channel but I haven't even done any of that so it's it's not been what I expected it but I think in future it will be a little bit more like that. So you thought that you'd be discussing philosophy of kind of ethics or politics potentially. More and, politics yeah. And you've ended up talking a lot about gender dynamics. And oh I knew I would talk about relationships okay. but um I don't know how it became so relationshipy. And gender <laughs> that was that was organic. That was entirely organic. Interesting. And you decided yeah. to follow it. Why is that? Because it's interesting. It, I mean, it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also because I think that my personal circumstances have sort of led me to believe that I haven't exactly done the right thing by myself in terms of what I want long term. And I just sort of I know that people talk about getting red pilled, but I think I got red pilled in a very depressing way. <laughs> so, um, and then it, but it made me motivated to talk about it so that other people would be aware of it and so that they wouldn't fall into the same trap. So, yeah, that would be something good to do. I think what you're referring to is what I saw in one of your videos where you were sort of like, I'm going down this very particular path, you know, mm. I've got my career, I've kind of got my goals. And then at some point, this sort of uh, hidden motivations or the unconscious, they came rising up from with you for partnership, family, things like that. And you're like, I didn't have a plan on how to reconcile this. What the hell? This sucks. Is, is that what you're referring to? Yeah, pretty much. And have you reconciled it yet? Have you have you fixed this problem? <laughs> well, I can't. I can't rewind time. <laughs> <laughs> but you're still but so young. How How is it? Um, how are you limited, I guess? Like, what would you have done differently? Uh, a 26-year-old having regrets of like, oh, I'm too old. It's just not a very common thing. So I'm trying to get inside your yes, mind as to yeah. how this I has become a problem. You need to get inside the side of inside of the mind of like an extremely maternal woman. Since I was 16, all I wanted to do was have seven kids and live in a hut with my husband. <laughs> that is all I wanted to do. And every day I think of that. 
And it's really hard to live like this with that in my mind all the time, knowing that that's never going to be reality. And realistically, meeting someone that's years away, I don't even know if I'd have one or two kids. And I don't even know if I'll find that connection with a partner. And I did in the past and that didn't work out. So Yeah, right. Mm, it's really hard. If you want seven kids, maybe you'd... I mean, yeah, time has gone. That was a slight exaggeration. Okay. <laughs> but back in the day, I did want that. But now I'm like, every year that I get older, I'm like, I have to knock one kid off my list of seven. So it sounds like two You're now. killing your imaginary children <laughs> one by one. <laughs> Sorry, John. <laughs> yeah. Infanticide. Yeah. Oh, dear. Okay, yeah. so... You're working 70 hours a week, so you've still got your ambition. It's not like you've completely abandoned the the other path to start chasing this this other dream that you've got. So are, are, have you settled on a particular path or are you still trying to figure out which way to go? With regards to what? Family or career? To oh, it it's never simply. been a choice. It's always been family for me. But yeah. I, I just haven't had the choice because we need to work to earn money. And I chose a particularly terrible career in terms of time which I didn't know at the time. I don't think any 16-year-old knows what they're getting into when they pick yeah, sure. that sort of career. Are you um, comfortable sharing like what, what your career is? Like, I think most people that watch my YouTube know that I'm a doctor, actually, because I've hinted at it a bit. Like, okay. Yeah. No worries. Well, I mean, it's very impressive. And in addition to helping people and making money and all the other good things that come through a doctor, if you're interested in a relationship, doesn't studying medicine and doesn't that give you access to like other doctors, like potentially great like men that you could be meeting? That's true, but I was also really shy until about 21. I don't think I could talk to a man without freaking out. I, and I'm, I'm serious. I was incredibly shy. Um, and then by the time I got to that age, I realized that I wasn't interested in fellow doctors because all they did was talk about medicine and I was never interested in medicine for medicine. Mm. I did it for entirely different reasons, um, for practical reasons and for the fact that I could talk to people and educate people about how to live better lives and make them happy when they walk out of my room which is the most amazing thing that you can do. I can't even like, tell you what it's like to do that for people. But um, I guess that most people, men in medicine, are there as careerists. I don't – the yep. thing I'm attracted to in a man is really not that. It's definitely going to be that intellectual spark that you get, and that's – I've always known that about men. I just have to sort of throw away the fact that I'm going to marry a doctor because I would never find them interesting. Sorry, just think – I might. I don't know, but yeah. like – but you um, find them too narrow in their focus. You yeah. want more of a renaissance kind of intellectual, yeah? Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. working as much as you are and, and now what social time you had, you're dedicating to your YouTube channel. It might be difficult to to meet people. Do you ever try like those dating apps or websites or are they just as, as, as disastrous for you as they are for, for most people? No, I have like a few years ago but, uh, that, yeah, you sort of figure out in about a week that it's not really something you can do. But I suppose the context is that I've, was in a relationship before so dating wasn't really an issue yeah um but it's relatively recently that i've become single um and then i thought well i'll just leave it whilst i'm working so much but next year i've signed a contract to work part-time like two days a week which is hopefully going to be me for the rest of my life so i think that solves the problem that'll be from january <laughs> two days a week yep that is that is great and yeah. if you're working as a doctor i imagine i mean that that would be the equivalent of like four days in terms of salary for a you know a regular paying job i wouldn't know yeah okay well but about that i'd say yeah i'd still be earning well into trip like i'm not going to say that actually <laughs> <laughs> it's just say i would have any issues with money <laughs> i think that you'll you'll have the reward for your many years of hard work and it yeah. will be um, a just reward you certainly deserve it
do you sometimes resent the the sort of uh, mechanisms we've got where men have to pursue women like if you're feeling ambitious and you you want to go after what you want you kind of like oh, it sucks to just sort of sit around and wait for guys to be interested in me i'd rather no, i pursue men don't worry you do <laughs> i find that very easy to do that please tell me more i, that, I don't hear that response <laughs> oh like ever that's fascinating uh, because you don't the sort of man that i see i don't find very often so i'll make sure that he's aware of me and if he doesn't pick up on it i'll just go up and ask him yeah wow but i will give him a chance yeah sure okay, but let's be real that has happened very rarely and I actually have never been like the dating sort of person and like done all that sort of stuff so I don't really have much to draw on in terms of experience there but yeah mm. but what I like about your explanation just there is you seem so mm, shameless in a good way that you don't have any hang-ups about going after what you want you're like yeah look I've got a very particular kind of guy in mind he's somebody mm. who's who's well-rounded and intelligent things like that and if I see him why wouldn't I go sort of after him are you nervous at all that people are going to misinterpret your words and be like oh she's got such high standards or she's so shallow or superficial I never said anything about high standards or superficiality what do you mean no um, like, um... I mean more that uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed but there can be a trend amongst the more extreme elements of the red pill community yeah. um, to <laughs> interpret things that people say in the worst possible manner uh have you encountered that phenomenon uh just a little bit like <laughs> a lot <laughs> right so do you ever find yourself um i guess nervous at all about talking about like what you want in a man just because you know that there's such a huge potential for you to be misunderstood either purposely or mistakenly uh, no, because everyone no one listening is actually going to impact on my life mm -hmm. if that makes sense um really they're not going to I don't think that that's actually going to affect me looking for the right things still and if people misinterpret it that's got nothing to do with what I'm going to do going forward does that make sense that's yeah. just a practical answer but it's true yeah well a lot of a lot of people they um it, it affects them because they take it on you know they they'll listen to the opinions mm. of others but I'm guessing that's not what you do no, I, I listen to everything and it does affect you a little bit but you sort of think at the end of the day uh, well, it's actually irrelevant you know I mean yeah. that's a really blunt thing to say I suppose but it's what you have to do and yeah. we all have our own like little lives they're so niche you know we can't just take all of that on and get nowhere yeah it can't be sponges emotional sponges no <laughs> not to stay sane yeah. yeah so do you what's your relationship like with your audience like uh do you feel like everybody's kind of on the same page as you do you have like a diverse audience um I think my so yeah I think my audience would be similar to yours it's about 95% men yeah. um, about the same age as me um, and a little bit older and it seems to be that half of them really hate me and half are absolutely fine with me um, because I get so much hate. I can't even, you must get the exact same thing but... What are your like to dislike ratios like? Are they, are they about half and half? Um, some of my videos have been like a third likes um, yeah, and wow. like two thirds um, like dislike. Um, but no, most of them been okay because I think it's been okay as I've gone along. But the sorts of comments I had to stop reading after a while because about eight out of ten of them would be just not necessarily directed at me, but they were meant to be directed at me. Like they were, yeah. So I don't know. It's just, it's a little bit tough. Like insults yeah. with plausible deniability, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um. But they, they they go over your head because they're not. You know that they're actually not valid for you, but they're said with the intent of being pretty mean so you know after you read about 200 you're just like oh, I'm gonna stop reading now <laughs> so what do you make of that like how do you how do you rationalize or understand that phenomenon of people clicking on your videos 
when they don't even potentially like you and they're just like, yeah, like I hate this woman and I hate the things that she's saying, but I still watch her stuff and comment. Like, how do you understand that? Um, it's easily, easily forgiven because um, humans are so emotional and I think the sort of people that are going to comment are going to be the more emotional like people as well and also you can afford to be more emotional on YouTube because no one, you don't get any social repercussions for it. That's your true. Your friends or your family, they don't read comments you did and if they did, they'd probably be appalled. <laughs> um, but I think we're just really emotional and some people want to put it out there than, than not. So I'm never going to get like annoyed at humans for just being like that I just wish that they would be able to control it at other people so others aren't affected if that makes sense definitely it yeah. can be very sad um, when you've got people making sincere contributions in the comment section I mean I love reading my comment section yes, and then good. yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, but your comments are a little bit more useful than mine and I and I was wondering if that's because you make a like you make some really fantastic videos um, and they're more well thought out than mine. But on top of that, I think your comments just overall more positive. And I'm thinking maybe is that because you're male? Is it because you're not female? And if we put a wig on you, would that change? I don't know. A wig? Possibly not. <laughs> um, I, I don't think there's any doubt at all that if I was a woman saying these things, I would attract a large number of just irrational mm. hatred comments, no doubt. So that's a little bit of the the privilege that I have in terms of not not getting that kind of hatred. But it didn't used to be that way. There was a, a big transformation. So if you go back, or if you click on my channel and you go back to the first 30 or 40 videos, I don't remember how many I did, but I, I, I never spoke. I never gave any of my opinions. I was just, I considered myself a journalist just reporting on this phenomena that I had done research for. So I, I would write things uh, like, this is what the red pill community says. And I'd go out to women on the street or on the beach or whatever, and I'd say, this is what they're saying. What do you think about this? And I didn't even make any effort to clean up the language that I was reading on these forums because I just thought, well, I'll give as honest a uh, representation of red pill ideas as far as I can tell from the internet to these women so that they can make their kind of comment. And the comments were so bad. They were so bad. Like yeah. I used to sit there, you know, and just read just you know, to me, these were real women. Like I'd spoken to them, they'd been friendly. We'd had a nice interaction. You know, I might have disagreed with them. That's that's okay. But they were still fundamentally kind of people. And then it was just hatred, 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 hatred. Ever since I started doing my own videos, where it was just me, and I wasn't like, I guess, provoking them with with images of women talking about this stuff. The comment section has improved massively now mm. there's a hardcore group of maybe 50 to 100 people whose names i know and I, I look for their comments and i'm always excited to read them because i'm like wow i remember this person they made that great yeah. point there mm. and what i love about that is the creation of this community i personally suspect that there's a large number of people who watch my videos who never comment and i'd really like to hear them commenting because possibly the most extreme elements are sometimes the ones emotionally triggered enough to mm. to leave some of the hateful comments Whereas I had this suspicion all along that there was this rational, moderate, you know, calm sort of majority of people who are watching the videos who just never put their their voice forward. And I'm, I'm sure of it because they send me private emails. They say, hey, you've never heard of me, but let me talk to you about all your ideas and thank you. And I love getting those kind of emails. I would like to see those people engage more mm -hmm. in the public kind of forum. But if you're generally kind of a calm, rational person, Maybe you just don't feel that inclined to just be like, oh, yes, this is all very good. I agree mostly with the points. You're only going to feel motivated to get stuck into the discussion if you're like, this is wrong and I'm going to raise hell if I don't get my way, that sort of thing. Yeah, and that's what I love about your channel, actually, because 
you're like the first channel, like red pill variety channel that was just blanket neutral. And I remember looking at it and I was like, you've got to have a little bit more siding on here because most of the red pill channels that I look at that are neutral still take a side and it's always the male side. Um, and that's fine if it's if it's legit. Warranted, yeah. But it just seems like nothing would ever budge them. But for you, I feel like you are literally just on the fence or not even on a fence. You're just like removed and neutral, like a third person point of view. I don't know if that's how you are trying to come across, but that's how it comes across and it's really refreshing. So I think that a lot of the people that wouldn't comment on your videos are people that are just wanting to be educated and in my the, in my mind I call them the red pill moderate crowd I don't know uh, yeah I that. use the same term <laughs> yeah definitely. and I'm just like oh, I wish you guys would come in a little bit more because like I know that you're the majority it's just that it doesn't come through and sometimes they do comment and they're like I they're in the comment they write is I cannot believe the comments here are so negative on your yeah. channel Georgia and I'm just like oh that's really sad that you've actually gone and read that because it's a really poor reflection but I don't know if they say the same on yours you know, I've had that one. Yeah. Like, video's great, comment section is cancer, things yeah. like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was more true in the old days, it's not that. But it's definitely not an act. What I, what I say on camera are things that I'm thinking, I will be able to stand behind this and put it up to scrutiny of any kind. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel completely truthful about this. And I'm not ashamed to talk about any of my ideas to the regular people in my life, people who've never heard of Red Pill ideas, which most people haven't, you know, it's a reasonably niche um, community at this yeah. stage. It probably won't be the same in, in five years' time. Then I need to feel like ethically I'm completely behind everything that I say. And I have the suspicion that some of the the YouTubers who, who just do audio, potentially it's because they know that they're venting. And, mm. you know, fine, go ahead and vent. But I'm thinking, would you really be able to defend these ideas if you were speaking to your mother? you know, or your future daughter or, or things like that. And if you can't, maybe you shouldn't be saying them. Okay, that's interesting. Thinking of some of the videos you've made, you're happy for your parents to see that? Uh, yeah. yeah that's, that's probably a personal question. Uh, yeah, I won't, I won't talk about that, <laughs> yeah. but no, I'm, I'm absolutely fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, on my channel, I couldn't imagine my friends and family um, seeing any of my videos and I would feel ashamed if they did, and some of them have, which has made me a little bit upset and I have to hold a few things back which is frustrating I'm really sorry to hear that what what's well, yeah, in, terms when I, of, yeah. in terms of like um oh just in terms of being a conservative and being sort of anti-career woman mm. I know that my mother is not happy with that point of view that I have because she feels like she's failed me as like the feminist mother that she is and she's actually absolutely wonderful wow um, and she's done so much for me but um I know that she's always been disappointed in my sort of desire for a particular life direction um my dad doesn't mind so much but I struggle I would struggle if he watched anything because I do talk about relationships um and I don't think he'd like you wouldn't like to listen to your daughter talking about relationships and men and women I don't know if you would but it's just a weird thing which is what he said to me um I can understand that and it, it depends on what kind of a relationship you have like uh, with your parents so yeah, but yeah. my, my, my situation is unique and specific and yours will be unique and specific in its mm. own way. So yeah, it's not, it's not an issue, not an issue for me. <laughs> yeah. I remember in one of our earlier emails, you said that you, when you watch some of my videos, you were fascinated and appalled or something like that. And I wanted to <laughs> yeah. ask you specifically which videos you found like oh, jumped uh, out as shocking. Uh, I couldn't think of a specific one. I think I just watched like binge watched a few and, um, just the way that you were saying, like, some some of the things are just, like, 
I know that I knew in the back of my head, but you just like vocalize them. And I was just like, oh my gosh, that's just amazing. But the fact that you vocalized that thought was just appalling to me in a way. I couldn't think of a specific one. I'd have to like go back and figure that out. Almost like uh, <laughs> the moment you said something that true out loud, then you've left no room for plausible deniability. And... It was just so raw. I remember thinking, oh my God. <laughs> I, sh I showed my sister your videos and she was just like, oh my gosh. And we were both like going, oh, what the hell is this wow. guy? Okay. <laughs> it was so funny. No, not in an offense in any no, way. No, no, no. But it is interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I've never really had, um, you know, apart from friends and family, any feedback from like a someone who's essentially like a stranger to me on, on viewing my videos. And it's it's an interesting thing because I don't consider what I think or to what I say particularly controversial. But it's, I don't think it is either. Yeah, but I mean, to to hear the reaction of you and your sister go, "Oh my god, who is this guy?" That's really that's interesting. <laughs> Uh, well, it definitely, you say, you talk about things that I don't think many men talk about. Or most men don't talk about this. They're just like not interested in talking about it. Mm. No, I don't know what I'm trying to say. But yeah, no, I, I just think that what you said was so raw that it was just so like you just get hooked into it. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, hopefully that's, that's how I build subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> One of the frustrating things I have found is that some of my favorite videos have been demonetized and even age restricted because I talk oh, about yeah. sexuality, uh, which yeah. is my favorite topic to talk about. I think it's endlessly fascinating, but I'm becoming more and more convinced that it's not a viable subject to explore on YouTube. It's just, it goes against their terms of service. Advertisers don't want to put their ads over sexual content. And to a certain extent, I actually understand that. I don't think it's completely illegitimate, mm -hmm. but like in the future where I think that men need like a lot of education is in the sexual kind of realm. And so I'm thinking of ideas now as to what I can do outside of YouTube to try and bring things I would consider to be essential information that the culture is not sharing with people about sexuality. I'd love to be a sexual educator in some regards, but at the moment I'm still sticking around more traditional topics of just like relationships and dating because it's it's not quite as as raw <laughs> and potentially controversial. What do you mean by sexuality though? Do you mean just the issues of reconciling being a human and having a sex drive? Is that what you what is it so what is it that you mean by that? Uh definitely that, but also the dynamics that go on between people. Like what is sexuality? Where does that urge come from? How does it find its expression? Mm. Is the expression good? Is it bad? Is it healthy? Like I've got so many thoughts about all of these these various topics, but it's one of those it's just one of the last kind of taboos. I think that even talking about relationships are a bit of a taboo. So I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you've got two friends, uh they're in a relationship and things seem to be going fine. And then one day you get the news that they've broken up and you think, what the hell happened? And you get the, the raw story and you think, oh my gosh, there was so much going on in their relationship, which I never knew. Um, a lot of my friends of my relationships, I actually do know what's going on, but I have had this experience. And the thing is, is you don't really get told what, what the dynamic is like between two individuals. It's just it, one of those things that it doesn't seem quite polite to talk about, or it's too sort of intimate. And that's why it's quite interesting and I find red pill videos interesting to watch and why I find the content that I create interesting to create mm -hmm. is because let's actually focus our eyes and our gaze into this place where previously you weren't sort of looking. But to me, the next step beyond that is in the bedroom. Like if you want to go to the real taboo, what do two people are they actually going through when they settle down for a sexual experience? That's something that very few people talk about. And I love to talk about it. I think that's really, really, really interesting because 
I find the taboo completely unnecessary. I mean, obviously, it's not great if everyone's just going around sharing their information without any kind yeah. of um, context. Uh, but I think that with close friends, it should be one of those topics that you can talk about because for any hidden pockets of like shame or fear or insecurity, it's probably a case where if you actually talked about it, you'd find other people going through the same thing. And just through communication, you'd start to feel better. That's what I want to do is I want to start to communicate and potentially say the kind of things that everybody's feeling or thinking and be like, right, here's what is going on for you right now with regards to all of this so that people can go, oh, I'm okay, I'm normal, thank you. Somebody finally talked about this thing, which I've always wanted to have a conversation about, but no one ever talks about it. Yeah, and I want to be that, that person ultimately. That's that's my probably end goal, yeah. Yeah, that's that's. I think everyone would be interested in that topic because no one is not interested in the topic of sex. Like, I just can't. No one. Uh, if they are, they are just not human or asexual. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting you say that because I love um, going into this with um, patients, for example. When they, okay, because one thing that patients would talk about, people would talk about bedroom politics will be with their doctor mm. which is an interesting thing and I spend a lot of time just sort of trying to weed out issues um and I think that would be the same as like hmm, whenever I refer patients to sexual counsellors they would go into a lot more detail but for me I just try to sort of get the basics try and figure out if there's a medical issue and if it's psychological which is which it invariably is yep. um then refer off but always give that reassurance and just make sure that you know they need to talk to their partner the key is talking to their partner no one does that I don't know why they just don't. Mm -hmm. It's the weirdest thing. I'm like, oh, have you talked to your partner about this? Like, no, I haven't. I was like, what? <laughs> Maybe it's something that. I don't know. Yeah, so it's really interesting you say that because I think that we don't talk about that much. Okay, so parents don't talk to their kids about it because that's a really difficult thing for a parent to do. Like, when do you do that? How do you do that? Um, and then young kids don't really talk about that to each other because they just want to sort of one up each other, but they don't need to talk about the nitty gritty, like emotional raw stuff. Oh, and it's yeah. bad information that they heard secondhand that they're passing on yeah. that's wrong it's a disaster kids teaching no, kids no good. um and you know you can't teach it at school um you just have to learn it as you go along mm. um so for a lot of people who just aren't really good at self-reflection and don't have that really good personal insight which is a lot of people just because we're not taught how to do this um they just sort of it gets on top of them um so it's really good that you who has really good insight about human psychology can actually start to dictate and sort of verbalize some of these things because i think a lot of people are super hungry for that i think so too mm. it, when i look at it i think the reason that i'm interested in it is because it seems like that's where you could do the most good with the least effort it actually wouldn't take that much to do a massive amount of good in my mind because there's just such a desert of information <laughs> about that kind of thing that just introducing a, a couple of oases could just you know quench the thirst of millions of people so how is but yours is also very much i suppose you can't avoid this but the genders the dynamics between the genders comes into the bedroom a lot and mm. also it's sort of they work both ways um so i suppose you that's sort of what interests you as well in, in terms of um like you can't talk about one without the other yep. and then you have to talk about not just that but how that affects society how it affects how we raise children all that sort of stuff so it's actually a huge topic yeah like massive <laughs> yeah this is connected to this which is connected to mm -hmm. this yeah and it's one of the reasons i'm quite glad that i changed the name of my channel about six months ago i think oh. it used to be called red pill interviews because uh, i only ever intended to do these these street interviews um 
And then when the channel kind of took off, I was like, all right, well, I want to keep doing this. I've got thoughts on all kinds of things, but I don't want to just be limited to the things that the red pill talks about, uh, even though there's, I haven't got through <laughs> a fifth of the things I want to talk about with regards to the red pill. So it might be a while, but ultimately yeah. I'd like to be able to discuss almost any topic and just having it as my name, that gives me that kind of that freedom and flexibility. Oh, I thought your name was always Alexander Gross on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> but the other good thing that you do is like you actually do that thing where you find like a, a topic from Reddit or wherever you get all of your topics and that just highlights like a really specific niche and so you actually like there's so much you could talk about just within that niche but then there's like so many of them so you could cover a lot just by picking little things out and it's going to everyone's going to be able to relate in some way which is really useful. I think so and I think that even if it's not a topic that they personally are dealing with like like yeah I've never been married so I don't know what it's like to go mm -hmm. through this divorce like this guy's talking about there's still a basic anthropological fascination that comes from listening to the problems and advice and solutions of other people's personal lives that you can just store somewhere in the back of your mind. And it just gives you greater insight into human psychology, motivation overall. I think there's something to be gained from, from any of those posts for anybody, basically. Mm. No, but you are so unique in the fact that you can stay neutral. Like I will just like say that a hundred thousand times because it's, I don't think I've seen anything like it in, in a, like a, a male YouTuber, like actually just a YouTuber in general. Um, in just, no, but in terms of just saying, looking at the sides and not taking a side based on your own demographics, which is a lot, what a lot of people are doing in the Red Pill community, which is what I find. Does that make sense? I, I now I finally understand where you're coming from. And okay. Yeah, no, no, because in my mind I was thinking, oh, wow, like I feel very biased. But the thing is, is that it's definitely not based on any demographic. My bias is against the person who's displaying the greatest rationality, the person who's acted the most ethically. Oh, yes, of course, yeah. And I'm, in my mind, I'm hideously biased towards that person. Yes. But to are. me, that is the obvious way to divide people, if it's even necessary to divide people. Your gender, your race, your sexual orientation are such primitive, superficial ways to draw distinctions between people. You have so much, if you're a man, you have so much more in common with a, a rational man with a rational woman than you do as a rational man with an irrational man, mm. you know? And so why would you form a team with him just based on the fact that you both have a penis? That's not a good means of, of organizing a tribe together. So what I'd like to see is people who are fundamentally rational and ethical kind of banding together and being like, no, so you're a, you know, a feminist extremist, you're a red pill extremist, you guys are all together. Us sitting here where we're actually going to discuss issues rationally, objectively, with, with you know facts and truth and mm -hmm. mutual respect, we're all in this team. And even if we disagree, we're existing within a framework that is fundamentally healthy at its core in the way that it operates rather than one that is emotionally driven and sort of charged. Yeah, but the problem is that I think some people are biologically, probably genetically, uh, have a tendency towards groupthink and group identity. Women slightly more than men, and that was probably evolutionary because we're, women are better off sticking together um, just because it's easier to survive. But... Um, there are some people who just have that tendency towards being a part of a group way more than others. Um, yes, everyone technically can rationally outthink that tendency, 
but for some people it's going to be really really hard to do and it's just going to you know it's like stroking their little like group think like penis inside themselves and that's what I see a lot in the red pill community and amongst feminists as Mm. well um so getting beyond that is going to be really hard for some but if we just find people who are like on the edge who are thinking oh yeah we've got to get out of this like picking a side like I'm white or I'm female or, you know, I'm smart and you're dumb, that sort of thing. If we mm. can just get past that and just sort of realise that let's just take everyone as just a, a brain. Mm. Does that make sense? Just as a brain and yeah. that's it. No, I think we're on the and same a heart, page. brain and a heart. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say, which is the only slip-up that I think you've made that I've seen in your videos yeah, so please. far. <laughs> um, and I haven't seen all of them, so I'm sure that I could try and figure out more. <laughs> um, Next time you'll come back with a list. <laughs> on the 14th of July, you said this. <laughs> That's it. Um, there was uh, a few videos ago you had an interview with a female friend of yours. I can't remember the topic, but right at the beginning of the video, I'm sure you said that something like, this is my so-and-so who's going to come and give the female perspective and I really disliked how you said that because I thought that that was just going to be two humans giving their perspective but you implied that she was going to have a tendency to think as a female in a group rather than be able to rise above that and look down as if you're god on a situation because that's what I think we need to do we need to look And it's like, you know, when I try to explain mindfulness to people, I say, you've got all your thoughts and you're reacting to them. Great. Now, just think all your same thoughts, but take yourself out of your head and just read them as if it's on a book. Okay. So I try to do that with things. I'm just like, okay, you just need to take yourself out of the fact that you're a woman and you're of a particular age and have a particular job and you've had all this terrible past that's like changing the way you think. Just take that all out and just look at the facts and then make a judgment. Um, And you can't always do that because we are emotional, but there has to be certain things that you do that for. So I disliked how you said that she's giving the female perspective because I thought, well, actually the perspective is not female. It's valid as a human perspective. Does that make sense? Yep. It's a completely valid criticism. <laughs> yeah. And it's not what I intended, of course. I know it wasn't. What, I, what I meant to say was giving her female perspective. And, uh, yeah, you probably uh, did say that. But I said the female perspective. No, I watched it back and I cringed when I when I heard Can't it. So know. I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that, that was sort of dumb. But it, it's it's – there's no denying that it's interesting because she is a woman, like because it's a, it's a female perspective. I have many intelligent male friends who I could do the same thing with, but I'm kind of already there. To me, it's interesting to see a similar rational perspective coming from different places. And the male perspective is different from the female perspective, just in terms of, well, probably biology. I'm not an expert in that, but from the life experiences that you've had, I think there's something powerful in terms of promoting the, the rational kind of cause that I want to promote to take people that some extremists might say, oh, you guys are different. You shouldn't be on the same team or whatever to be like, no, no, like, look, <laughs> two rational people here, you know, that happen to men and, and women. And I mm-hmm. think that where this gets really interesting now is this is kind of, I think, part of the appeal of your channel, if you don't mind me saying so, is because you're talking about issues and you're a woman, that that's interesting. Like I even find it interesting to watch because hearing some of the perspectives that you have on things, I've heard men say before, I haven't heard as many women say before. And while the thought itself might not necessarily be that much different than what I've heard, the source makes it interesting. It's interesting to hear you talk Mm -hmm. about these things. Um, so, I mean, are you aware of that? Like, is it something always, you're conscious okay. of? Something everyone aware of, is aware of in, in the world is the fact that women are not interested in intellectual ideas and politics anywhere near as men. That is a fact. 
um, we do have different brains. We both have the same ability to rationalise, but that we have different barriers to get there. Um, and the big barrier for females is that we're just not as interested in it. Um, it's, it's sort of like how people say men are so much better at chess. They are slightly more intelligent men at the high end of the IQ spectrum. Um, but on top of that, women are just not interested in playing it at all, so don't even pursue it as much. So there's like two biases in there. But it's the same thing here. Like, I think women just aren't as interested in talking about this, so they don't. And so it's super saturated with men. Um, but on top of that, even if they were interested, I don't think that they would follow through on that because they're just... I don't know. That's just what I think. So maybe that's why it's like you, you think it's a bit weird that a woman's talking about it. I think it's a bit weird. I often think I'm a bit weird. I No, uh, I certainly don't mean weird in any kind of negative sense. It's, it's, it's a little bit weird that it doesn't happen more often. It's just rare and that's kind of what makes it interesting is potentially you know i think you and i are both kind of newcomers i potentially we had our sort of red pilling reality moments years ago but we didn't formalize it or know that there was people mm. but for guys who have been in this community like i had an, on this uh, on a similar podcast style episode a guy who solaris who'd been around since 2004 who'd been helping out men with these issues for like 15 years now i don't think at that time, there were 26-year-old pretty blonde women on the internet talking about the things that he's talking about. That was not a reality for him. And so suddenly it's like, wow, this is, this is interesting. You know, this is different. And there's a certain, a certain fascination appeal there. Hmm. Okay. It's, it's... I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> because it probably... Um, I, I won't. And also because I, th I think that I've always been novelty in my friendship groups as well because most of my <laughs> friends are guys... 98% of them. So really? I'd say so. Do you get on well with women? Yeah. Okay, so how do you account for the difference in friendship? Um, because I like talking about certain things that women aren't interested in. Okay. So it's not, not, not antagonistic in any way. It's just no, like, it's, oh, yeah, it's I just, just naturally interest. gravitate. Yeah. I don't dislike women at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Um, like you're straight in your orientation. You're only interested in men. Uh, yes, um, not specifically men. I'm interested in power and the, the feeling of dominance or having something dominant in your life, and that's always going to be men anyway because that's what you associate it with. So I don't think women are attracted to the physical qualities of men so much. It's just the psychology behind it. I've always, I've, I think that that's the most true. Maybe some women are just like, oh, my God, I just love the look of, like, penises. Like, but that is, it's not that. It's the fact that the penis is attached to a man who is attached to this, idea in her head that this is the guiding power that she has in her life that she can follow and rely on um and so that's the attraction there and you're just not going to get that in a woman you know what i mean that was really interesting yeah <laughs> that was I'm, I'm thinking all of that through i don't think i've ever heard anybody put it like that before i love it when you hear something like mm -hmm. wow that resonates as true but i'm just trying to wrap my mind about it a little bit more because it's almost as if the primary sexual orientation that you see is not even based on gender, even before male or female, you put power as the primary sexually defining characteristic for women. For women. Yeah. And I, so why, why, why not for men? Why? Uh, just thinking about, um, I observe it all the time. Like I talk about my female friends about sex, right? And it's just like, if they are not psychologically comfortable and happy, there is no way they are going to get turned on. Like, they can have sex, that doesn't matter, but there is no way that they're turned on. And this is, I have talked to a lot of women about sex, hundreds and hundreds, my patients basically. Yeah. Um, so um, I have a really good insight there, and it's it all comes down to the psychology of women, mainly, mainly. Um, and for men, it's just like, 
the, the woman's in bed naked, so that's pretty much most of what is required. Not all the time, and I'm not demeaning men in any way. Like there, there's way more complexities in that, but it's far more burdensome for women, I think. Um, but it can be a good thing. Wait, what's burdensome, sorry? The fact that if you uh, the fact that if you don't feel like you're safe around the man, you're not going to be able to get turned on. Yep. Does that make sense? You know, it, it does. And it's, maybe it's not a burden, but it can be a burden if one little thing is not right. <laughs> you can't just rely on the physical attraction as much. It would be like 10% of it, so you can't just turn that up. You just can't. Yep. Yeah. All right, so it is, it is the same for men. It's not spoken about and it's not widely understood. But this is what I want to hear. Yeah, okay. So I'm happy to answer any of your questions. But in terms of there being psychological uh, requirements for a woman to feel like attracted to a man or like sexually available to him, there is absolutely the same thing flowing back for men to women. Now, it might disguise itself as something reasonably primitive or instinctual like naked woman. That's all, all good. That's all I need. Absolutely not the case. And if you... Well, as a doctor, have you come across like a premature ejaculation or erectile dysfunction Too issues? Too many times. Okay, so if there's just a naked woman and that's all there is necessary, then the guys wouldn't be having these issues, right? Um, I can't remember the statistics, but I think it is just over half psychological and the rest of that is actually organic. No, there are some issues that can occur there. Oh, okay. But there are biological reasons for that and mainly that's erectile dysfunction. Premature ejaculation, not so much. Erectile dysfunction can always often be organic. But anyway, I think I actually thought of something different. That was, I think that there's lots of things that a man needs in a woman, but and it's probably equal. But then what, what about this? Men also have this other aspect of themselves, which is the physical sex drive. There's a testosterone. That is real. Like, it's, it's no joke that I literally prescribe testosterone to men and women who have a low sex drive and they come back and they're just like, what the hell have you given me? Like, it's a pretty amazing thing to see. But maybe you've got the same sort of emotional psychology behind um, sexual attraction, attraction, but also you've got this physical drive. So it's not that it's any less, it's just that you've got to deal with two. Um, I, I couldn't argue with that. That makes complete sense. I, I thought yeah. I was not making any sense. No, no, no. I, I think that's right. It's not something I know a lot about, but I have... Um, it's surprising how much of my education comes from my comment section as people watch a video like that and they're like well that was good but you didn't take this into account and I'm thinking I didn't know what that was how could I take it into account so I go and do a bunch of research and some of the links that I've been um, led to linking things like uh, testosterone and sexuality and and also violence like the like the testosterone's kind of behind them both and i found that really really interesting so when you say that there might be a psychological but also a purely brain chemistry like you just dump testosterone in some guy's brain he's like man i just need to fuck like straight away i'm like yeah i can probably see that 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 actually makes sense to a certain degree but i do find it probably stings a little bit though because there's an element of uh, there's like an undercurrent of shaming that comes mm -hmm. about men's sexuality when it's reduced to the purely testosterone mm -hmm. and I find it upsetting and insulting that men's sexuality is is um, painted in our culture as something not as deep or as complex mm -hmm. as women's where it's just as deep and complex it's just far less understood and when you go right into it, it's really, really interesting. Male sexuality is extraordinarily complex. It's fascinating. And the way that it works is amazing. Um, 
and people look at the most superficial expressions of it, like, oh, that guy's watching uh, gangbang porn or some some cartoon of a Japanese octopus or something like that. Like, look how fucking weird and crazy it is. Like, would well, you have any appreciation of how deep those feelings go, like, into the very core of his being to create that kind of incredible response that makes him turned on? Like, all you're viewing is at the very, very surface of it. Whereas underneath is this massive iceberg of beautiful complexity and, and kind of, like, divine sexuality. I find it, like, awe-inspiring and... But but who talks about this? You know, it's like, oh, female sexuality is this mystical goddess type energy. Yes, but also, but also the male has its, its equal equivalent. Mm. Yeah, I, I was going to make an analogy, but it's getting a little bit far-fetched, but I'll try anyway. Let's have it. Because um, no, <laughs> you know how I was saying that um, it's, it's super deep. We just sort of say that it's all about that physical drive and just get rid of the rest. Um I remember once when I was like broken hearted about a previous relationship and I said, oh, there's no way I'm going to be able to have room in my heart for anyone else. My mum said, no, you always have that in your heart. You'll just make more room. Um, I think I was trying to link that back to the fact that um, men still have the same psychological need as women. That's true. We're all human. It's the same sort of thing. Um, but you've also got this other thing on top of it. Um, so you just have to deal with more. Um, but Anyway, that that testosterone, it's not experienced as a purely physical sensation too. With it comes a resurgence of very animal-like instincts, which have a psychological impact mm. on you as well. It's almost like somebody has, they're, they're listening to a piece of orchestral music and then someone throws a ripple through it, like another note, and then it harmonizes through all the other instruments, adding a kind of 3D layer of complexity towards already an incredible sound. It's not a purely physical thing. The moment that it's felt and and as, as part of your sexual expression, it becomes a dynamic part of your psychology as well. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just got a really scary thought of, like, my own self because I feel like I have, like, an incredible drive and just ambition inside. And I was like, if I was a, a male, I, I cannot imagine how crazy my head would be because I would just suddenly be more intense about, like, every single thing in my life. Um, and I'm just like, I don't know how I'd deal with that. I'm sure you'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me more about what is actually so appealing about uh, being in the presence of something powerful. Like what does make that sexually appealing? Because as a man, I can say with complete honesty, that mm. doesn't make me sexually excited to be around something incredibly powerful. Oh, I'm glad that would. Well, no, I mean, it's, it wouldn't be a bad thing. I just, I'm more likely to no, be homosexual. I would guess. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Um. So, um, I suppose it's. Oh, that's a lust thing. I think that's a lust thing on one side, and also a um feeling of security on another. Um. So. I think if I've, I've said similar things in previous videos of mine, basically, I'm, and I recognize this as rather biological, but I'm happy to go along with it when it works because it's always awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's that as a woman, I want to feel like I'm protected. And the way that I figure that out is I need to have someone who is powerful. Um, and that for some reason, it, it makes me feel comfortable and safe. And there's an element of lust to that as well. It's not love. That is not love, but that is just the initial attraction. That is what I call the spark when mm. I go on a date. Because mm. um, I've tried, I've thought a lot about what the hell has created a spark in my head. And I've realized that I, if I view the man as above me, I will have that spark. If he is below me, I will be 
I will never, ever even think twice about him. And that's a very interesting because I'm thinking he's a beautiful man. He's capable in every single way. But for some reason, my brain has perceived him as lower value. And I can always figure out why I've perceived that as lower value. And then I go back and rationalize it. But it is hard when there's another man right next to him and you're just like, mm, okay, I've got that. And it's just so much easier. And you stop having to get stressed out about the fact that you're not attracted to him. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think it comes from just knowing that you've got someone safe beside you. Yep. Um, and I think that, yeah, it's not relevant now, but back in the day, if you and I were together, I would just be totally physically dependent on you. Um, not just for pregnancy, but just like for e almost every physical endeavor yep. ever. Um, so there is a huge difference in physical abilities. And you talk about, did you hear about how, um, Serena Williams, you know, Serena Williams, a mm. tennis player. Yep. She challenged one of the top, she said, I reckon I could beat like at least the top, one of the top 10 men in tennis players. She couldn't beat the top 200th ten male tennis player. Mm. She couldn't beat the average college tennis player. She couldn't, no, really? She is about average with them. And that is the difference. And she herself was so shocked at it. I'm shocked, she, yeah. Because wow. she's is good. That is the difference. She is good. Yeah. And she sounds good when she makes those grunts. But um, it's it's in, insane. He, I mean, she had an interview about playing, I don't know his rank, but someone that was quite far down, a male. And, and he, she was just like, I was doing the same shots that I do to a female, but he was just getting there faster. And she just couldn't predict it. And I was just like... That is it. That is wow. the difference. And I was so shocked. What a cool experiment. I can't believe I didn't hear of this. this uh, I, I, I only heard about it a while ago, but then I looked into it and found so many other examples across all sports. And then apparently there's only one sport where we are equal and that is shooting because it does. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh God. Um, so that's really interesting. I hope this isn't sexist, but I'm actually surprised men aren't better at shooting. I would have thought from an evolutionary <laughs> point of view, like seeing game or prey like at a distance would have benefited men in some way but I've, I've no idea possibly but also seeing a predator in the distance would have benefited women so yeah sure so they can <laughs> run or scream right. like husband go kill <laughs> that mammoth or whatever the other way. <laughs> <laughs> so what i find interesting about what you just described is how with women finding something like attractive because it's powerful every woman will probably universally find that power attractive but what they interpret based on their personal experiences as powerful can differ for every different woman. Yeah. So what I've noticed is there are some women who they potentially, they fear for their safety in a physical sense. And then they'll go after your bodybuilder kind of types. They want the ripped, you know, most uh, powerful physically man that they can, because that makes them feel safe. Whereas if you've had a woman who's really encountered a lot of intellectual kind of chaos and she doesn't feel quite safe understanding the realm of thoughts and ideas, she goes after somebody who's at the top of his game in academics, you know, someone really, really mm -hmm. smart because to her, that guy's powerful, you know, he's got the he's got the moves. Then you get women who are attracted to like spiritual guru type people. Mm. Uh, you know, it could be you got women who are attracted to really good looking guys simply because they dominate the social realm. You know, she's had really like a lot of social awkwardness. He's like, wow, he's powerful in the social realm. Look how easy he is able to mingle with people and meet new people. And so, first of all, do you agree with this? This. Uh... Oh yeah, definitely. So everyone has their own attraction. What What particular characteristics in a man do you interpret as powerful? Like, is it 
you want a guy with the biggest muscles, the biggest brain, the biggest bank account. You know, lots of women mm. have got that. Where, where do you sit? Or do you, you just want it all? <laughs> uh, um, no, I don't want it all. I think I'm atypical in this, but I'm, it's mainly intelligence for me. If a man is smarter than me, I'll be happy with that. If he's dumber than me, I honestly can't. I really struggle with that. Yep. I really do. And that's just me. And that's tough for me because statistically 99% of men are going to be dumber than me, which is annoying. But um, 1% is still quite a lot. Um, there's a lot of men out there, Other than sure. that, there's obviously age. Um, I think I'm attracted to older men, but I think that's associated with wisdom and intelligence as well. So if you found a young yeah. guy who was smarter, yeah, you'd be I like... Yeah, I think that would be fine. Okay. Yeah. So real talk, how much do looks play into your... Um, oh, God, I don't know. That would depend. It would depend on the guy. Yeah. It, it would depend on everything. Like if there was someone who was super good looking, that wouldn't matter. But say he was half good looking, like say average. Yeah. If there were like these other qualities, it'd be fine. Say he was below average. If there were all these other qualities, all you need is that like that spark. And you got to find it easy with someone who's better looking. Like that's that's obvious yep. for everyone. But um, but if there are different qualities to make up for it, then that's fine. But it's different for every woman. Women who are not interested in money or if they're purely interested in looks and that's it, that's it for them. It's just going to have to be looks. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, uh, it, it really does depend not just on looks, but for me, if I'm just to go into like what I'm attracted to, um, I don't sp- really care about like the color of the eyes or like any specific thing, but I will always be attracted to a square jaw and broad shoulders and pretty much anything in that category. I'm relatively okay with, but that's just me. Yep. And I think that's, uh, a, that's a lot of women. <laughs> it's not just you. <laughs> I'm just <sorry> <laughs> so that's, that's what you say. Now let, let's test it. Let's test the theory by listening to your actions, not your words. As you go back through your past relationships, mm-hmm. have you dated men who were, more intelligent than you, that you did find attractive, but objectively speaking, you knew that other women didn't find them physically attractive. Have you ever dated any man like that? Um, I really don't have much experience to draw on. Um, um, Loosen the definition to have you ever been attracted to a man like that? Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. He rejected me. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just trying to think. Uh, I really don't want to go into my past relationships because just in case. Like, of course, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Simple, simple surface level answer was fine. I was just curious. Um, yeah, I, I really don't have much experience to draw on, unfortunately. Do you find men uh, intimidated by you often? Um, yeah, but then I'm not attracted to them if they're intimidated by me. So they're basically invisible to you, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Well, because uh, I'm not a very confident person, so confidence is what I find attractive. Even if it's superficial, I find that attractive. So if they're intimidated by me, they're not going to come up and talk to me, and I'm going to perceive them as not confident because they're not talking to me. How do you reconcile? I, I reconcile that very easily, though. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, there's what, I, you might not, uh, what I was going to say is how do you reconcile this? I'm, I'm fascinated by you describing yourself as not a confident person because you haven't shown any signs of shyness in the hour or so we spent together. You have a YouTube channel where you put your opinions <laughs> out for everybody to yeah. kind of see. Like, In what way are you not confident? Um, the YouTube channel was actually part was a part of my getting over myself and my anxiety, so that was actually therapy for me in, in, in a big way. Um, so just to explain that side. And I am complete anxiety behind what you see right now, if that makes sense. I'm just really good at just functioning. Like, I'm so, like, you know how you can just be, like, X level of anxiety, but X level of just, like, being super motivated and to, to function? I just have more of that, so it works well. Okay. 
So, yeah, you combine those two it, factors it into would, a working model of a person. It does, like, it could ruin a person. I think a less motivated person with my sort of mind, like neuroses, would just be completely effed and not be able to leave the house. But for me, I've got so much motivation to just, like, do everything by the book that it's it's not really an issue. I just have to, like, deal with the feelings inside. But that's just me being rational. I'm really looking forward to this opportunity to educate myself, and I mean that completely sincerely because I can't really understand from a first-hand perspective what it is that you would be necessarily like insecure about so I guess what I'm saying is if I is if I was to imagine myself to put myself inside you know your experience your body your brain and things like that I'm thinking well I'm obviously smart you know I'm still young you know uh, you're not fishing for compliments but you know you're, you're pretty like in my mind I'm thinking won't life be reasonably easy? I imagine you're getting like positive reinforcement from most people wherever you kind of go. And I know that, I know that that's not the full perspective. I know that your, your experience is a lot more deeper than that, but that's why I want to ask because it's not obvious to me, you know, what necessarily would be the cause of any kind of insecurity. I don't know if insecurity is the right, right Okay, word. sure, yeah. What would you say? Um, I, I think it's more just anxiety about how people are going to judge me and if I do something wrong and just going through my head, oh my God, I said that and this person's going to think Have I'm people crazy. judged you it's badly like in the past? Like have you had a lot of negative reinforcement? Mm, okay, I was not pretty when I was a teenager nor in my early 20s. I just wasn't. I, okay. never, I, I don't know how to explain that. I don't think I was an attractive woman. No, 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 that can happen. I, look, yeah, I don't like her at all. Came but from that. That's it, that side of thing, but also I'm just a super high achiever, so when things don't go right, I get stressed out. Does that make sense? Like a perfectionist? Like, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. Like, I'm not particularly perfectionist, like, in certain things. Look, I don't know how to explain it. It's just some, I, in my head, I just go through stuff more intensely, and and my thoughts are just, my thoughts are my enemy. Okay. I just have to tell them more. Yeah, you need some, some meditation practice, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really an issue for me. Like, occasionally, it's like, there's been a few times when I've gone out um, to parties and events, I call them events these days, don't we? And I've just been like... <laughs> Here in uh, Western Australia, we do. <laughs> we do call them at the event I went to last weekend. Um, but, and I've just been in a bunch of people and I've been totally overwhelmed by the fact that I don't feel like people are viewing me well and I have literally just walked out of the party. And I just could not deal with that situation. And that just, it just like gets to this like point. But then people are just like, why did you do that? But in my head, it's just like this explosion. This is totally unrelated. I don't know if we should put most of this up on them. Okay. The podcast. I, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll listen to it back and we'll, we'll figure that out. But the reason that I, I find it. It's not really interesting, that's all. I find it incredibly. Yeah, oh my gosh. And I'll explain again why I find it so interesting is because. I know where the source of male insecurity comes from for the most part in terms of what a male specific experience is. And we'll just take the example you just brought up of going to an event or a party. (laughs) (laughs) We'll call it an event of, okay, so he's going to go there and he's going to be invisible to most of the women there, right? For example, maybe he's going to go and try and talk to some people because he's like, well, I want a female companion. And women are often brutal in that perspective. So he doesn't, unless he's a really top tier guy, very confident, he's not going to get a huge amount of social reinforcement and positive feedback from what I see observe, at least on the surface. And I don't know what's going on inside their minds, but when I see young women at these events, they're, 
surrounded by guys who are, you know, are trying to get their attention, you know, make them laugh. They kind of just have to stand there. And it seems like they're flooded with a bunch of approval and kind of validation. So the reason why I find it so fascinating is, yeah, I can see objectively speaking why men in social situations are insecure. It is yeah. harder for me to relate. And I want to improve my understanding. I'm not, I'm not blaming or, or accusing. I genuinely want to understand if women are feeling so insecure when from the surface it seems like they've got it so easy, where does it come from? Yeah, it's true. Women are so much more neurotic and insecure, and this is proven on many psychological tests. It's Why? true. Why? <laughs> Things I are good, aren't they? I don't know. Uh, maybe they weren't back in the day, but now we've got nothing to fear physically. Um, I think when I walk into a room... I don't care how much male attention is on me, although I would love it all. Mm. If, that, if I perceive a woman as being prettier, in, prettier than me in that room, I will, I will not feel okay about that. Mm. Does that is that that's an awful thing for me to say, isn't it? But Why? it's true. Oh no, I'm just saying it's just the way you think. It's actually really against other people and extremely selfish in many ways. But um. So you want to be the top woman there, right? Yeah. And you actually feel bad, even if you're number two. <laughs> Because if you're number two, all of the attention will go to number one. Really? But that yeah. can't be the case, is it? No, look, I'm, I'm making up a hypothetical situation. There's never been a situation like no, that. No, we can do whatever we want in this hypothetical situation. <laughs> Dragons are about to arrive. <laughs> 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 um, no, there was something else I wanted to say from what you said before, um, trying to explain these insecurities. And I actually had this conversation with my mum a while back. Because when I was in my previous relationship, my anxiety level was a lot lower. And I realized this because I felt like I had got a guy and I felt like I didn't have to stress about that. I think a lot of my insecurity comes from the fact that I'm scared that I'm going to be single for the rest of my life or yeah. something like that. Um, and when I was in that relationship, it was a really good for a while. When it started to go bad is when I realized the relationship was going bad and I lost that security and mm. it just came all the way back. So yeah, it was interesting. That's just one little insight there. Well, I, I think that um, many men will be able to relate to what you've just said, the feeling like if you can't attract a partner that there's like, oh, God, like you're missing out on something or you're not worthy of attracting a partner or something like that. I think that oh, where it gets difficult and why we need to have more conversations like this is because... I think it's really useful for men to hear that you have those same kind of fears because on the surface, I think a lot of guys will just be like, well, she can have almost any man but you want a very specific man so do you feel like <laughs> do you feel like you'll have that feeling of not being validated or feeling of failing in some kind of way if you've got a partner but he's not your top choice like is is it basically you win or you lose or is there some kind of middle ground with like yeah I haven't got the top guy I'm not massively attracted to him but he still likes me so I feel just as good or is like no unless I can have the guy that I'm interested in, I will feel bad. Um, well, I guess this is where love comes into it, doesn't it? Because I think for that initial attraction, you're always going to want to have like someone you perceive as like the alpha, right? But once you get to love, you're not really going to care because that sort of stuff goes out the window. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but the difference between um, like, for example, this is quite personal, but if you're in like a relationship with someone and all the attraction is from like, the fact that you think that that is an attractive person and you've had like this initial like crazy lust that you have for the person and then that gradually gets replaced with something from th that exists in the top half of your body and not the bottom half and it's just in your heart and it's in your brain and it's it's totally different it's love and that is 
going to trump anything like you're not going to care about when you see another guy like you might be attracted to them but it's like it's like not going to touch love you know what I mean so um that's a different human feeling though but I think there is a distinction between that you need that initial attraction to get to love because otherwise you wouldn't go out with the man or the woman but then once you have that um so for example a lot of my commenters like I don't know they enjoy telling me that I'm going to be discarded for a man once I'm older. They're going to want a younger woman and they'll just chuck me away and go for a younger woman. I'm like, oh, great. And I'm just like, oh, they're just missing. <laughs> That's a really common, common comment that I get. And I'm just like, oh, whatever. Um, but they're, they're missing love there. They're missing the fact that they wouldn't want to do that because it would hurt the person that they love and hurting the person you love is hurting you. Because you are one and you should be. Well, at least that's my version of love. Other people might have a different one. So um, it doesn't matter once you like that person. So you just have to hope you do. If you don't love them, you're pretty effed because you're always going to be undermining them. You're always going to be looking for someone else and your relationship is going to be awful. Yeah. Anyway, that's just a perspective. So you've got to take into account love. Yeah. Um, so you're never just going to – you're going to be looking at others, but it's not really going to – like touch the surface like when I say to women they're like oh my god I'm pregnant but I, I'm still taking I've been taking the contraceptive pill for like three weeks I didn't know I was pregnant I was like honey you're pregnant the hormones of the pregnancy are like so high you are not do you think the contraceptive pills are going to touch the pregnancy hormones that is like massive basic survival those hormones won't get anywhere close it's like a tiny little chip like they're there but not making a difference yeah that right sense. yeah no I, I didn't know that there's a bunch of guys who will listen to what you've just said and they will disbelieve you. They'll say, no, her hypergamy means that love isn't real, that she'll cheat on her guy the very first instant she gets. I think it's ridiculous. I think people who peddle that extreme kind of hypergamy theories, I think they're Mm. ridiculous. I think it's nonsense. I don't see any evidence for it. I've known heaps of couples that are long into their relationships. I know there's a bunch of crappy ones as well, but often Mm. they break up not because of hypergamy. They can break up for any number of of reasons. Um, And so... When I listen to you say that there's a bunch of guys in your comment section who say you're going to be discarded when you're older, the way I understand their psychology, I'm thinking, what kind of person goes onto a channel, watches a video, and then leaves such a mean kind of comment? I'm thinking it's some older guy who would love to be in a relationship with you, is pissed that he can't, and so rather than, you know, even try, he'll just try and make you feel bad as a kind of way of... of reclaiming some lost pride at having not have the option or availability of being with you. Is that how you understand it? Yeah, it's so black and white and obvious that they don't really touch you, those sorts of comments. Some of them get a little bit close to home, like the ones that they talk about how I really have just, like, wasted a lot of my early 20s. I think, yep, that's that's a little bit hard to hear. But, yeah, ones like that are absolutely ridiculous because you can see right through them. And I think 90% you could see right through of those mean comments because they're just coming from basic human psychology. You're just like, oh, you're saying that because of that. It's nothing to do with Goodbye. Yeah, sure. it's easy to diagnose. Yeah, it's just like, uh, it's not really a bad thing. <laughs> Do you worry about women watching your videos where you're like, oh, so many options have gone past me, I'm 26, I'm and they might be 35. I'm oh, yeah, you're 27. <laughs> and they're like 35, and they're like, oh my God, like if she's worried at this stage, what the hell's wrong with me and with my life? Yeah, I have thought about that actually. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that other than, oh God, just try, keep trying. And, um, um, yeah, but I also, like, I feel like if I was to get a normal distribution of, like, women who have maternal instincts, I think mine is, like, on the higher end, so maybe theirs wasn't, because I am I see lots of 35-year-old women who are, like, oh, like, I'm happy if I have a kid, won't be too fussed if I don't, and I'm just like, oh, well, 
That's really easy for you. I have, I, I have a lot of difficulty believing them, and I'm sorry to burst the bubble of any 35-year-old woman, woman who's telling themselves that, but when I've seen people in my real life say that, I'm thinking the option hasn't been available to you. You haven't found the right guy. So you're backwards rationalizing this as like, oh, I'm fine, like either way. Mm. Whereas I think if you were to be honest with yourself, you're devastated that this hasn't worked out for you and that you made different choices and that you probably should have prioritized this. But it's too painful to really look at that. Yeah, Honestly, like a coping mechanism. D- the denial is a coping mechanism mm. to try and make their current circumstances more palatable. Definitely. Although I definitely know some women who are just have never wanted kids since forever and I could not imagine them but that they are yeah they're on the end of that normal distribution I think most of the people who are saying that are probably just saying it to make themselves feel better and I let them do that yeah yeah sure no it's not not nice to to, yeah yeah so what do you think is different about you do you think you were born this way that you've got this intense maternal instinct or do you think there's some environment some environmental factors that you can point to um no I couldn't point to environmental factors there's nothing particularly interesting about my childhood but um just I, th- it, I think it hit when I was, oh, it was halfway through first year at uni. I remember it. It was like the most intense thing. Um, I went from wanting to be like this crazy neurosurgeon doctor to just like going home and crying because I was just mourning over the fact that I didn't have children. And it's, it's the weirdest thing because you're just like, what the hell am I crying for? Like, really? What am I, what is wrong with my life? Nothing is wrong with my life. Except I feel like there is like this massive chunk missing. So yeah, it's just a weird thing. It's I think it's biological. Could you account it for this woman is like this and I'm like this or is it a case of actually women are not so far apart on the spectrum mostly they've all got similar instincts you just think of yourself as a very maternal person because you're more in touch with your authentic femininity is that possible Mm, yep and you've got some career women who are just out of touch with it they've just um but that's fine if they're out of touch with it then maybe that's because they don't want to be in touch with it well, yeah, there could be a fear of it, depending on their beliefs. But I, I do feel it, it's it's sad not that they're making decisions based on where they're at the moment. It's sad that, they, that they've kind of got lost, you know, away from themselves. Because the real pleasure, I think, in being human comes from acknowledging your humanity and sort of living within it. When I think of my most pleasurable experiences, it's like swimming in water, eating, sleeping, sex, basic basic human kind of stuff you know really nice drink on a hot day fulfilling a biological sorry it's like snuggling snuggling (laughs) (laughs) the ultimate end point of evolution was snuggling (laughs) (laughs) that's why we have bodies that can spoon (laughs) we're not like antelopes or something (laughs) but there's there's such a pleasure in in human in in humanity and it's one of those things that i worry a little bit about people who think that um living as a monk or a nun is the the end goal of, of the pleasure of being a human i don't necessarily see it i'm open to being wrong about it but there does seem to be a certain asceticism and denial of the the human animalness in that kind of style of living and i have to think that a more balanced comprehensive kind of lifestyle where you're like yes i am a soul i'm, I'm a brain or whatever you want to call it but i'm also a human animal who enjoys certain things that's got to be the key to the most well-rounded and balanced life i would think Mm, if you have the ability to um rational to get all of that in your life that's great um because one thing i was going to say before was that um the reason i couldn't have a family is because i had to work and like that's yeah i saw that video of yours yeah like i actually looked back and i was like uh Sure, like some of my friends were in relationships, but none of them are getting married or having kids until they're 30, despite still being in a relationship. Like, 
um, because of that particular job. Like it would ruin everything that you've done. So for me, I was just like, I, I can't imagine having to do that. I would have been a very, very poor mother. It's likely that I would have like been on benefits and that would have just been the fact that I am such a high achiever and want like the best for my children. Like I'm happy to wait a few more years just to get that. That was completely irrelevant. I don't know what we were talking about before. <laughs> you were saying that you, that you didn't really have the option because you were just feeling like you are working. I know in the video that you said it was called Why I'm Jealous of Men or something like that. And uh, you, you, were, oh, yeah. you were upset, basically, that, like, I didn't realize, you know, this is, this is going to happen. And men have it good. They don't necessarily have to choose between their career and their family. Are you still upset about it or have you kind of come to terms with, with how things are? Uh, I don't think I'm jealous. I, I was just trying to point out one little difference because what happened was that I've got, most of my friends being men, we just have this total different perspective about life. Mm. They're just like, oh, yeah, you know, just, I'll apply for the, you know, specialty training like next year. And I'm just like, if I did that, that would just discount children for me. Like yeah. that would be it. Um, and a couple of others have just um, gone and bought two houses um, or, you know, most of my friends own multiple properties. It's quite depressing. And I'm just like, I, I literally can't do that because I am probably not going to be earning money in my early 30s and 30s. And on top of that, I put 10% of my income toward maternity leave. Um, at the moment, I'm putting like more than like 15% towards because I just can't. So I, can't, I don't have the stability to have get a mortgage out. And that's actually like, there are some big differences in that regard. And it just makes me feel really vulnerable and helpless about the situation because Either I can buy all these houses and live like a man or I can just get married and that would solve so many issues. But, yeah, and what, what else was I trying to talk about? Can I interject for a second? Yeah. Because it is, <laughs> it is it, it's a very strange sensation watching you and listening to you say all of this because what oh, you're no. talking about makes so much sense. It's so logical. Like, yeah, you have to think about all of these things and you're actively taking your desire to have children into account when planning out your next career moves and what you do with your finances. And I, as you were talking, I was like, why is this so interesting to listen to? And it's because I don't hear anybody talk in this way. It's just not very common. I have lots of female friends, you know, many in their 20s, and none of them talk as if children are going to impact on their plans at the moment right now. So you're like a total rarity taking this into account, but I don't think that you should be. At least I don't hear it. It's not really in that kind of circles. Oh, but most females probably would just be totally in the mindset that when they're married, they won't have to earn money yeah. at all. And also they probably um, have a lot lot less ambitions. I mean, like don't have the drive to like make riches and all that sort of stuff. So maybe that comes into account because I'd say that I'm definitely in the on the top spectrum in terms of ambition among females and just wanting to do stuff. Um but yeah, I suppose it is a little bit weird to hear that in a way. Like it's, even it, but it's it's reality. Like I've been yeah. to job interviews and they've said, "Look, this is off script. Are you married?" And they just ask me that, and I'm just like, "No." Nah. And what they're asking me is, "Are you likely to get pregnant?" They have to <laughs> dance around this kind of thing. They'll probably uh, but, get sued. But but I think that it's bad that they have to dance around. Oh, I agree. It's pretty shitty for their business to like. I've always like, wondered this. If I was if I was a business owner, I'd be like. Well, geez, I'd need to take that into account. You yeah. could end up costing me a lot more money than you bring in if I hire this dude. Is that sexual discrimination or is that me being, I want my business to stay profitable? No, it, it is looked at as sexual discrimination, but I don't think, I think it's just 
should be normal just like discrimination like imagine if you had someone that says within two months i'm planning to injure my knee and i'm going to be on workers comp for the next month <laughs> like that's that's very it, common but thing if a that woman you said i'm planning to have children we're going to try in about two months like you can't do anything it's the same amount of disability that is so weird isn't it yeah. and how is i almost feel like we've entered into slightly controversial territory saying this but from a practical common sense perspective why on earth is that discrimination that's just sensible um because anything that um reduces the equality between men and women is seen as sexist to feminists which is really silly because i think we're better off trying to acknowledge all the differences because that will help women in the long run because if i would be better off getting a job that would accept me when i have maternity leave but then value me in between you know what i mean mm. rather than just being like huh i'm just gonna get the best job i can and you're like screw you guys you still have to pay me all this money you're yeah like, better so yeah it's very short-sighted isn't it Mm. It's we're entering into the political realm, I think, and I'd like to pick your brain about this because I've seen you in your videos describe yourself as conservative, and I wanted to ask: Do you mean economically like conservative, like your laissez-faire capitalism, or are you talking socially conservative? Yeah, like I'm talking the... family values for that. For economically, I'm more of a classical liberal, if that makes sense. Yep. No, I'm with you so far. So, what do social values or like social traditionalism like mean mean to you? Like um, acknowledging the difference between men and women, pretty much. And just accepting it and actually integrating it into our lives rather than ironing out the differences because yeah. that's just ridiculous. Yeah. That's the main thing. But then there's like a touch of just trying to retain family values, but I think that's all tied into it. Yep. Um, and by family values, I mean the nuclear family. Okay, so what do you think about the experiments um, like that we've seen in the last 30 years with polyamorous uh, couples, like uh, non-monogamous arrangements, you know, people trying out different, you know, even like split families, you know, like, uh, do you see any merit in a system or like a diverse series of systems or in your mind that you're like, no, there is one family system that works and it is a stable husband and wife having children inside a nuclear monogamous family. Are you talking about people who have not had a choice and so have steps? Step families or people who choose to have open relationships with multiple people? Which one are you talking about? I was yeah, asking about both, but whichever both. one hits your interest oh, first, okay. let's go into that. Um, well, we've got this thing which you may have heard of in medicine called herd immunity, which is basically where you only need 95% of people to be vaccinated against measles, mumps, rubella in order for everyone to be immune because we're protecting the 5% because of actually we've tricked the virus out of the market because the virus needs a certain amount of people to have, be carried into it. So my, my idea about um, the nuclear families, you probably see around going... I do, and I love it. But let me just explain it in case anyone didn't pick sure. it up. But like, um, my idea is that the people have the luxury of having step families and doing polyamory because we've got this system that is still based on the nuclear family. family. And if we take the, that 95% out, there will be like a critical mass at some point. I don't know where it is, maybe 80%. As soon as we take that out of the, out of the equation, I think that there is going to be a lot of really depressed and anxious people in the world who don't have that stability and they just won't cope. And I think that society would really struggle. So we need to have like that basic building block and within that then that allows other people who don't quite fit into it to have their own freedom and i'm happy for them to do that but i just don't want people to think that monogamy is destroying anything because i still think it's like the best system we have so far and when we're basing off a system that they can actually go and do stuff because if we weren't like this we probably wouldn't be here today does that make sense oh yeah it makes so much sense and it's yeah. nice to hear it like expressed with that clarity never had anybody tell me that in those <laughs> words before and it's honestly not something i've thought about in relation to that, but I can draw many different parallels. I can draw them from my own life. What kind of society 
in terms of abundance has to be achieved before a guy can talk about relationships and men and women to you know a camera screen and put it on the internet and then somehow still survive like not get eaten by wild dogs like how useful is it that we've got an entire system of automated and, and like and laborers and people like that actually keeping the country going Australia cannot be a country of 25 million YouTubers. That That is not sustainable. I fulfill an extremely niche mm. share of my contribution to society. And I think it would be the height of hypocrisy to point at people working at the docks or as truckies or, or whatever it might be, you know, tradies, laborers, whatever, whatever your profession and say, oh, well, that's, you know, completely unnecessary. Look at me. I'm able to, to do fine, you know, making, you know, content oh, for, yeah. for the internet. And what you're essentially saying is that these families, these monogamous families, that is the stable building block by which we are still surviving as a civilization. You people experimenting with like swinging and polyamorous lifestyles, please count your blessings because Mm. you are afforded the luxury of experimenting with these bizarre kind of um, lifestyle choices by the stability that's created by the very thing that you're railing Mm. against. So, if you're going to go off and do that, can you please at least be like appreciative, like grateful? Because oh, I'm so glad you're saying this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you yeah. Understand. Such, um, and not that they should, you know, go and say thank you. Oh my gosh, for giving me this opportunity. But just acknowledge <laughs> it. You know? <laughs> Don't get on your knees and say thank you, nuclear families. Um, but, but and it's similar to um. Well, no, I was going to say something, but I've forgotten it. Um. Yeah, no, I can't remember. But I, 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 no, this it just really excites me because I've had difficulty uh, coming to any kind of conclusion about this one because I'm so thoroughly libertarian in my perspective that I'm like, yeah, do whatever you like. But that is a very individual perspective, you know? So if an individual really feels that they're polyamorous, I'm like, go try. Like the worst mm-hmm. thing that happens is, you know, your life is, is crazy and then you, you come back mm-hmm. to sanity or it works for you. That's absolutely fine. I completely believe that there are people who are polyamorous at their instinct level and it works best for them. Possibly a lot less than the amount of people who are trying it. I think there's a lot of people doing that kind of thing badly, but I don't think that discounts the possibility that some individuals can make it work. But I've never really thought of something like the family unit or even you know your sexual relationships as being something relevant to society. But when it comes to raising children and creating any kind of um, predictability that we can build a society upon, the kind of craziness that comes with having multiple relationships and all that's necessary we're so far emotionally from being able to create any stability from that kind of model that that's why it excites me is it's giving me some clarity over my own thoughts as all right the individual does what they like but it is a separate discussion as to what is best for society Mm. you know you seem to have a lot of faith in natural order which i think i do as well the problem is that we have today is that we we can't do things naturally because there is a lot of government intervention so you can't have that sort of faith anymore which is really frustrating so what do you mean by natural order um so for example i remember once when i was younger and oh it wouldn't have been that long ago uh you know my, my dad was like why don't you just marry a truck driver georgie and i was just like like i could that's fine and then we started getting all like like i don't mean anything against truck drivers or anything but then i was like dad i don't know like i really want someone who's been university educated so i can talk to them um and you know that that sort of thing and, and then we got onto a discussion about how um 
uh, everyone in their in their different life with their different ideas. Like how you're saying people working at the wharf, like we need people who have specific interests that are going to make them want to drive a truck and be happy with that. Because if everyone wanted to be university educated, everyone would be retardedly not interested in driving trucks. Suddenly, though, you'd earn a lot of money being a truck driver if that was the case. But um, So we really need everyone to have different in- interests, but we don't actually because we've already figured our society based on it if that makes sense. And then what we're doing now is like taking away all these different incentives for people to like um, do particular things because we've got welfare and all these sorts of things. So we're going to start to lose a natural order and we're going to tip into a balance. I don't know, I'm not saying doomsday stuff, but like there is balances that we are every day, little things are tipping too far one way and, you know, incentives are lost. Like already, for example, I know that I don't want to earn over a particular amount of money because I go into the next tax bracket, which is a bit frustrating because I could have worked an extra day a week, which I would have been happy to um, a few years ago and provided a service. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. And that's, and I could have, if yeah. I don't know, that's just one example. but um, Of how the government is creating an artificial system. Yeah, and then we can't act naturally in it um, because it isn't natural. And then suddenly you lose faith in it because I've always had faith in natural orders, but at the moment I struggle with it because I don't think a lot of it is natural because there is an external force, so I don't trust it so much anymore. And then you're annoyed at that because there's no way you can really fight that. Mm -hmm. I really don't know if I'm making sense at the moment, but... Um, yeah, so going back to, you know, being a total anarchist and just saying look, everyone's just out for themselves, it'll all work out, that's great. We're going, like, way too far the other way and we're just removing all of these sort of natural um, motivations from humans and it's just sort of changing what we decide mm-hmm. very really subtly. Mm-hmm. And, and it works with relationships as well. Um, like, I do know I once I had a male friend, uh, still a friend, I guess, um, few years ago um got into a relationship with a woman she just wanted a baby got pregnant left that was it and she could only do that because she could get welfare that was the only reason yeah sure that is the only reason and that has completely intruded upon like something that should have been so much better for that child and that woman which was actually having a good relationship so can you see how that's actually like changing the decisions that we make because you yeah, just... Definitely. I see it all of the time yeah. by, and I, I went to university with what I like to call social engineers, people who had their <laughs> ideas about how people should, should behave. And they had, it's not like they, they grappled with the ethical, you know, quandaries of it and then came out one side. They had no appreciation for what they were doing in terms of the application of force through government to restructure things the way that they want. Mm. The forced redistribution of wealth through welfare programs or whatever like that, it wasn't even an ethical question they grappled with. It was just like, yeah, we can do it, so we should. I had this idea that society would be better if we did like this. I'm confident that I'm right. No (laughs) humility. And if I get into power, which they're all trying to do Mm. now, you know, I know some of the people like Mm. they've gone on, they want to have society fit their kind of image. Terrifying. Mm. I find the lack of wisdom... The, the hubris involved in that, really, really frightening. And I think that the best government, the best system we could have is one that most closely resembles the natural order and and pushes us towards what would ordinarily be, you know, kind of going on rather than creating an artificial sort of environment. There's probably a slight middle point. I will say that in my earlier days, when I was first coming into contact with a lot of these ideas, 
I was seeing reality in terms of a glass half empty. I saw a lot of those controls and I was like, this is bad. We've got to stop this. We've got to prevent this. As I've gotten older, I have developed a lot more appreciation for what we do have in terms of the freedoms that we enjoy, like here in the West at least. And I don't think uh, I've changed my opinions, but I feel like I'm seeing reality more closely now where I'm like, yes, these areas, they're problems and they need to be addressed, but my God, things could be so much worse. And, you know, people like Jordan Peterson have really helped renew my appreciation for the West, if that makes sense. How did Jordan Peterson get into it? So uh, when he, you know, when he talks about how bad things can get if you start playing the, you know, intense Marxist kind of, um, you know, game, when you can go to places like Venezuela or the old Soviet Union and, mm. and actually see what happens when a government becomes completely dictatorial. Mm. Yeah. You know, I see government excesses here in Australia and in other Western countries, and it makes me sad. But then I also see a court system which has got a basic kind of check, you know, you know, a balance of power at least to prevent those things from going off. I see elections, maybe some of them are rigged. I don't necessarily know, but mm. I see some limits to it. And I think, oh, wow, thank God. <laughs> thank God that, like, we had the Magna Carta back in the day. Thank God we had the American Constitution written. Thank God John Locke and mm-hmm. Thomas Paine existed, these individuals that created these ideas that have facilitated the amount of freedom that we have now. Whereas before, I don't know, it was just I was focusing on that the, the glass was half empty and all I could see was the tyranny, you know? Whereas now I, I look closer at the, the North Koreas and I go, oh, wow, things could be so much worse, you know? Yeah, okay, all right. No, that's true. I never got pessimistic about that sort of stuff. I just thought that, you know, we may as well just keep trying to make it better. But in my opinion, we're short of making it worse. We think we're making it better on the surface. It's sort of just like putting a Band-Aid over it. It looks all beautiful on the outside. Then you take it off and we're actually, like, destroying everything. (laughs) (laughs) That was a bit negative. I just painted quite an evocative picture of this festering wound with like maggots in it true. or something. But then they're like, let's just, you know, let's just give him a bit more money and just keep putting like stuff over the wound. But it's uh, just like, it's just going to keep like creating different psychologies among different people. And um, yeah, so not good. Not good. No, not good. I think politics is a reasonably good place to end it. But there is one question that I, I wouldn't forgive myself if, if I didn't go and ask. And it, it, it's this. It go, we're, we're changing topics completely. We're going back to the, the men that you find attractive because what I want to know is if you're interested in finding kind of the top kind of guy, like uh, the guy who makes you feel the safest, like the most the most powerful guy, right? Or, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how do you feel like if you want a guy who's more intelligent than you, wouldn't you understand a guy who's like, you know what, Georgia, I'm looking for a girl who's more intelligent than me. So I'm not interested in you. Like, I'm sure you can understand, right? Yeah. Really? That doesn't bother you? Well, I just have to hope that he didn't want... Well, because if a guy wanted a woman who was more intelligent than, than him, that probably suggests to me that the guy wants a woman who is more powerful than him. And that's not very common among men uh, in terms of, like, feeling like you're the su- superior one in the relationship. And by superiority, I'm not attaching that to value. So hierarchy does not equal value. It's just a hierarchy like, okay. of psychology, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So I think if a man was 
once I went on a date, okay, this was like one of my first dates ever. And I was, you know, a med student and this man must have been saying, this is great. She's going to earn a lot of money. And he said, you know what, I would love to be a stay at home dad. And I looked at him and I was, could not have been less attracted to that prospect because I was thought like I was dating a woman who wanted me to be like the powerful one and, you know, the emotionally strong one. I'm not saying that men are more emotionally strong or should be, but like, I think men are slightly more emotional, emotionally stable in terms of where they function, except at the extremes, which is um, probably the men who are really low in agreeableness. Um, so I don't know if it's kind of related to just um, going back to intelligence. If if that this man that I dated clearly wanted me to be the more intelligent one, like in in ever across all areas, that is fine. I do not care. It's just that I'm not going to get attracted to that in return. I want someone who values the intelligence, but I don't want them to get off on the fact that I'm like more powerful than them because I'm not going to be able to keep that up because like I could do it like for a bit, but I, that would be really emotionally stressful. Right? Yeah, like I, I would be like, like I can do, it's like when you're in a sexual relationship and like the guy's like, I want to be like dominated and I'm just like, okay, right. I can do that once. I can't do that every night because I'm not going to be interested in that and that's going to be a really tough part of the relationship. Yeah, it's a favour, yeah. but it's not going to be mutually enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so like, oh, yeah, I can do that. For like, it would just be a really stressful thing because I think it's a little bit unnatural. So what, if a man was to name his top quality that he's looking for in a woman, like his top characteristic, what could he name that you would respect the most? Um, probably loyalty. Um because that would mean the guy is smart and has his head screwed on. Um, but it's definitely... Just to bring it back to intelligence, as always. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Um, uh, but also if they valued talking about and discussing ideas and because the thing that I've noticed that I've gone out with guys who are really interested in that, but they only want to talk about it with other men. As soon as I start talking about it, they're just like not, not interested in, in a partner to do that. So I'd want that to be something that they would be interested in. That... I have witnessed that. What is I've, that? I've experienced it so much. And this is because I've been involved in uh, conservative politics, which is 95% men. And um, they love having a woman in the room. They love having a quiet in the room. And I experienced it. I was like, wow, I didn't realize that it was this like intense, but it's so true. Yeah, wow. It's like the weirdest thing to witness. Um, and in a group, like I would say something and everyone would just be like, yep, okay, moving on. And then just keep talking at each other. This is an exaggeration, but I, there were a few moments where I was just like, I was like, am I, is my feminist brain like trying to like make something that doesn't exist? But I'm, I'm sure I wasn't, but that's just an observation. I did not hate them for it. And it was bad, but I would. It, it doesn't sound good. I, yeah. you might be more generous than I would be in that interpretation. That sounds pretty bad to me. I wonder if I would be the same, though, um, which is a tough one. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like, let's put this though. When I was talking to other men in the room about, like, specific stuff and there was another woman, I was not interested in her. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, my no, God. Like, I don't blame you because I feel the same. But uh, anyway, the, the, the PC <laughs> police have put out a warrant for your arrest, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming for you. I can hear the sirens. <laughs> That's so funny you said that. <laughs>
But yeah, I would want in a relationship. I wouldn't want them to brush me aside like that. We we have to keep going because we have to talk about what is the psychology of a man who doesn't find an intellectual woman sexually attractive? Because I have seen that. Ah,、uh, because because that is an intrusion upon their area, and it's an intrusion from their power and their masculinity. And one thing I've always asked all my male friends, the ones who are married,、uh. is I say, what is it that emasculates you? And I've actually got a variety of answers. Some of them have been like pretty typical, but like I remember one of them was I hate it when I look less smart than my woman in a crowd. I hate it when they one up you. Like don't care getting one upped by your mates, whatever. When the woman does it, it's like total emasculation. I'm just like that's so true. And in my head, I was like, note to self with my future husband, always make him seem like the more powerful one in the crowd because I don't really care about being the one that is like. Gonna win the argument? I really don't. But for him, I think that would be so important. And if I loved him, I would want to feel that like all the time. So, like that was just an interesting side effect. All right, <laughs> let me advocate for the devil here because th- this is really interesting. Don't you feel like a guy who's that insecure that he doesn't even view the two of you as on the same team? Like her intelligence, her victory is my、nice. victory. We're not in a competition. Like. If 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 you know my daughter, my future daughter was ever to date a guy like that, I'd be like, drop this loser! What the hell? Like he can't handle your intelligence. <laughs> you need someone better. That that's how I would do it. And if she was like, yeah, you know, I I shrink myself, I shrink my intelligence to make him feel better. I would be shaking my head. I'd be like, "Are you serious? What? Like, get a better guy." Yeah, definitely. I think I agree with you there. But I think it's just part of the relationship. Of the ones I was talking about, I think that the woman was specifically trying to bring him down to make herself look good. So yeah, it would have been a different、oh. relationship. Yeah, well, that's just a bitch move. <laughs> no, but like, I think it affects men more than women. Just observing, like, yeah.、Um, well, possibly, especially if their power, their sense of power, comes from their intelligence. Like, if that's their primary means of feeling powerful, is their intellectual、yeah. capacity. And it's the same way as like when when I if I was to go out, I I would want to get compliments about how feminine and how kind I was. I don't really care about compliments for how like powerful I am. I don't really don't care. But if you said that you like you know you're a really good woman, I would take that as much more of a compliment. So a man would get a much more a better compliment from being more masculine. Like you're not going to say, oh you've got such pretty eyes, you cute guy. Like like you're going to be like, oh I don't know if they would like. Appreciate that as much as no, yeah, no, sure, yeah. So like, um, I don't, I don't,、uh, yeah. Obviously, you don't want like a terrible relationship, but there, there are certain things in that、uh, we would value as not to get brought down by the partner or get boosted up, and like that's just figuring out in the relationship, really.、Um, So if a man was like a better dresser than you, you know, and he put more effort into his appearance, oh, you guys, you can't see the expression she just made, but her eyebrows just went no. <laughs> no, no, that that would be fine. Really? Okay. No, no, I'm talking about being feminine, not necessarily like better looking. Okay. So I'm trying to think of something traditionally feminine. If he was complimented as being a better parent, would that bother you? No, because it would be a better father.、Um, mm. Men and women really shouldn't compete. Really, in in a sense, they've kind of got their own lane. No, that's lane. what I mean.、Yeah. So, like a lot of the time, like with,、um, I'm thinking of a particular friend who told me this story about how 
I don't know, something happened and he was basically made to look like he was the silly person in the relationship and, like, just basically, you know, like, expression, like, whipped. Yeah. Um, like, it, it was basically, like, he got whipped in front of his mates um, and he said that was probably the most embarrassing part of my life because they were all just, like, made. And I was just, like, it was such an unnecessary exchange because the woman was trying to compete with men. Um, and this is what annoys me about a lot of the comments I got on my YouTube channel. It's basically, like, women are inferior. I'm like, no, you're comparing... It's like saying cars are inferior to boats. Do you oh know God, what I mean? so true. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, stop it. Like, it really annoys me. And then what they do is that they associate that inferiority with, like, inferiority of value and their subhumanness and then women shouldn't vote. And it really, like, annoys me. I'm just like, guys, it's not logical. But um, I think that, yeah, just trying to make things equal is really stupid because it's basically, like, trying to make men and women equal is, like, trying to get a doctor and, like, a psychologist and saying you guys should do equal stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I, I couldn't agree more. Where did this idea that just because something is different, one has more or less value? It's, mm -hmm. Especially when we're talking about the two halves of humanity in terms of gender necessary for the propagation of the human species. Like, <laughs> obviously, both genders have a role to play. You know, what on earth is the point of disparaging one entire gender just by claiming yours is is superior. It is the most ridiculous form of tribalism. And it is embarrassing how many people in the Red Pill community fall into it because it's meant to be a movement about coming to grips with the truth, with reality, facing it no matter how difficult it is. And yet emotionally they can't even progress past the yeah, women are women are uh, you know less strong, so therefore they're worse, you know, that kind of basic, basic level of thinking. But not surprising nonetheless, unfortunately, just considering the average emotional intelligence of people in general. That's a bit awful to say, but it's not surprising. <laughs> it really isn't surprising that people get emotional about stuff. I'm never going to get annoyed about that. Um, but I've never felt so tribal towards women other than being in the Red Pill community because I felt like I'm being attacked for being a woman and suddenly like I've been forced to defend them. And I really hate defending women because I don't see the point, nor do I see the point defending men because I don't think it's something that we should be attacking each other anyway. It's like me trying to defend something that I find is irrelevant. Like, you know, let's defend the fact that we think that the, the sand in Australia on Australian beaches just should be whiter. Like, I do not care about that topic. But I felt feel like if people are, like, saying, yeah, the sand is all yellow, I'm going to feel like, no, just shut up and back off. Like, that's what I feel like I'm having to do in the Red Pill community. I feel like I have to defend women. And in order to get on men's side, I feel like I have to pander extra to men, which I don't really want to do because I also don't want to isolate women mm. and feel like I'm men's side. So I, I try to take the in-between route, but that isn't very helpful either because I still have, like, a female voice and a female face. So I mm -hmm. feel like you have to go, like, more towards it and get people emotionally on side, which is the way to win all arguments at the end of the day is, like, getting people on the emotions. Some people will be won over by rationality, but I, I think the majority will always be won over by emotions. And once you've got the emotional switch on, then they will start thinking rationally. Um, it's, it's like... Um, Whenever I try to convince women of particular, like, rational arguments, I don't sit there and say, let me tell you about John Locke and, the, the like, the founding fathers of the U.S. and why we should do this. I say, what do you want in life? And then once they figured out that, I'm saying, well, actually, I can tell you how to get that um, and just, like, take it from their point of view. So um, with I think it's the same with red pill stuff. You have to say, well, what is it that you want? And they've already figured out what they want. Um, and now they're rash they're post rationalizing it. Like I think that a lot of red pill men got there through emotions and women, 
I've always probably also got there through emotions but and then rationalised it afterwards, but some people just never get to that. It's yeah. fascinating. I've never heard anybody say that before. There's a lot of wisdom in it. I'm going to reflect on that one. Uh, also, I think I'm speaking to not everyone, by the way, in the Red Pill community. Yeah, no, of yeah. course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that the most people who are watching this will be what we hope are the Red Pill moderates, you know? Um, we hope. <laughs> yeah, I think that gradually people who were really enjoying my videos as a venting space, um, you know, against women, they've gradually left, you know, largely as they just didn't find anything in my content to to sound off against, you know. It was mm. just, uh, it was too reasonable. It was too, you know, that they, they hopefully they've moved on somewhere else. And I really like the audience that I've got at the moment. I still get the occasional comment, which makes me shake my head. But for the most part, I'm like, wow, there's there's a lot of really smart people here and I really liked your video it was called um how to red pill a woman uh, I think in brackets gently or, or something like that that was speaking to emotions for women as well yeah like it was rationally d doing that but through the emotions of a woman I, th I think I need to reflect on this personally inside myself because I'm embarrassed to say that if this is operating inside me I'm not even aware of it you know it's happening without I'm not my saying you do no uh, but no, in terms of the way I get convinced on things, potentially I'm just like everybody else. I'm getting convinced through emotions first and then, then hearing the rationality afterwards. But if that's what's happening, I'm not aware of that. If you'd asked me, I would have been like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm coming from this rationally. And so I'm interested now to watch myself the next time somebody's presenting me with an idea to see how it's being assimilated, interpreted inside myself. I, actually, I don't know. Well, yeah, of course there's going to be emotions, but whether or not you let them intrude is up to you and everyone's going to be able to do it differently. Mm. And that's just because we're all different and some people will just never be able to rationalise and others will be over-rational and no emotions at all and we call them autistic. Um, and so that's just the way it is and we're all on a spectrum. That's just all it is literally. Um, I'll definitely get emotional about stuff and then, you know, if you really are hurt by something, you just you can't rationalise for a second and you're just like, I'm just going to take a step back and then come back later. You know, that's like the rational thing to do. But um, I don't think that I'd be here if I was in a relationship as well. And that might explain a lot. Sorry, we can stop in a sec. But um, if I was in a relationship, I would not be doing this because I would feel a lot better about life and I wouldn't need to be going through all this red pill drama because I wouldn't have all the worries that I have now. So I got here through emotions in that sense. Yeah. Um, and then sort of looked back. Yeah. Mm. It, it could be the common element amongst all things. I'm really interested mm. to hear it. This has been great. I feel like there's been three or four moments where your perspective has stopped me in my tracks. So I'm like, wow, that that was pretty pretty rational. That made some sense. I think I need to, to stop and have a look at that. So I look forward to editing this and going back through it again and, and hearing all of this and doing some further reflection. And this is probably the kind of thing that gets me to continue to click on your videos because I'm like, right, I'm, I'm going to learn something. It's nice. <laughs> I've also really enjoyed talking to you because, as I said to you before, like I could reach over and poke you and I've never been so close to someone that I can talk to about these sorts of topics <laughs> in real life. And, like, the, the temptation to poke is right there. Right I'm not going to. Um, so, yeah, thank you for being in Perth, which is... um. Yeah, no worries. I don't yeah. know why I thought you were in New Zealand. I feel like... I'm a little bit concerned. I, th I think the person who first sent... Um, see, I came across your videos because one of my Patreon subscribers uh, sent me a link to your videos when you were first starting out and said, check out this girl. I think he said she's a New Zealander and I just never... Oh. I never broke that that from my mind. 
And so when I reached out to you, I was like, hey, like, I like your channel. Let's talk. Um, and you're like, yeah, cool. I'm in Perth too. I was like, wow, really? So <laughs> the opportunity to, to chat in person is uh, really rare. It's, mm. it's wonderful. We'll have to do this again or we're going to we're gonna turn off the mic now and we're going to talk about some collaboration ideas for you guys to enjoy sometime in the future. But thank you for tuning in. Do you have any final remarks, Georgia? Nope, other than it would be good to know if you guys wanted to hear us talk about anything in particular. Yes, that's true. Uh, mm. Any massive topics that you feel like were overlooked, we probably overlooked you know, 50 of them. So yeah, write down in the comment section. And when we do this next time, we'll get into them. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will catch you again next time.